Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the Watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Hey, what a tremendous joy to come together and sing praises to Jesus together. Amen. It's great to be in church, I, uh, whether you were, it's your first time here or maybe you've been faithful for the last eight years. I've already uh, met a new friend this morning, Sabrina, sitting right over here. Um, it's just cool, man. It's cool to see what God is doing in this place. I know that we have some of you that uh, came at Easter for the first time and you stuck around for this new series that we're in called Jesus Is. Uh, how many of y'all last week heard our, our Somerville campus pastor, Stephen Lodeholt, bring a word about Jesus? Yeah. I was watching. I was on vacation, but I dialed in and I heard him talking about uh, the need to embrace each other's butts. You need to go check the sermon out. Some of y'all have already checked out. I'm leaving this church. I don't like this pastor and what he said. I promise you got to put it in context uh, of the message. Today, I want to talk about um, Jesus being grace. This series is called Jesus Is, and we're talking about different characteristics that Jesus embodies and looking at interactions that he had with people that help us better understand who he is. And next week, we're going to be talking about Jesus being the point, the point of everything, of life, of purpose, of everything that you could set your minds and your hearts to. But today, I want to talk about Jesus being grace, because grace, if we don't understand grace, then we miss the gospel completely. And so I want to preach out of my favorite chapter in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15 real quick with me. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. This is what we find. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Those are the words of Jesus uh, in front of a mixed crowd. And we tend to like that story, right? The idea that this shepherd would have a hundred sheep in a field and then Somehow he looks out and there's one missing and he decides he's going to go and pursue this law. We like that because we go, yeah, that's the kind of God that I want, one that would come after me. But the truth is, in in this setting, the people Jesus is telling this story to, they, they weren't big fans of this mindset. They were righteous. They were Pharisees. And what was happening in this particular setting is we're told that Jesus spent a lot of his time with people that weren't religious, that weren't part of the church, 
They weren't just sinners. They were notorious sinners. In other words, they were way off. But Jesus hung out with them. And I want us to see that, that, that Jesus hanging out with them, it wasn't like, okay, uh, I heard about this person that's far from God. I'll go have a coffee with them. I'll go, I'll go into Starbucks and then out of Starbucks. And, or maybe, you know, I'll invite them to church and sit with them on a Sunday. We're told he was hanging out with them, y'all. This means that Jesus was like, where's the tailgate? All right, I'll be at the tailgate all day long. This means Jesus is like, okay, who's hosting poker night? I'm coming over, right? Four or five hours sitting in a garage. And right, right there, some of y'all are like, no, that's, no, 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 that don't seem right. Doesn't seem right. Can I just break the ice on this? Y'all, Jesus would not fit into a lot of ministry and church paradigms that exist today. Like you may have some preconceived ideas about who he is. Jesus' ministry was crazy controversial. Like it starts with the people that he called to follow him as disciples, right? Like if you're the son of God, you've, you've literally come down from heaven and you're gonna establish an earthly kingdom, who do you call to follow you? Typically, you'd probably go to the Bible college and go, who's the top of the class? I'll bring them, they'll be a good disciple. You know what Jesus does? He goes to a fisherman, right? The one that's far off and says, hey, just come follow me. And everybody's like, wait a minute, these guys aren't even religious, they don't go to the temple, they haven't been to church in a long time. And Jesus is like, exactly, that's who I want. He goes to a tax collecting booth, calls a guy named Matthew. Tax collectors were hated in Jesus' day. You heard about Zacchaeus last week, right? A prominent tax collector. Jesus goes, I want you to come and follow me. Jesus assembled a crowd that wasn't popular. In fact, Jesus, on one occasion, he's uh, walking to, through Samaria and there's a woman at a well. Jesus has a conversation with this woman. Yeah, that wouldn't fit in today's paradigm. Jesus, it's like the disciples leave to go get some food. They come back and he's talking to a lady and they're like, Jesus, where, where's your accountability partner? You probably shouldn't be in this conversation with a single woman, you know, like this is weird. I think about um, Jesus, the time that a woman that was caught in adultery is drugged and put in front of him, in front of a crowd, and Jesus forgives her. He doesn't follow the law, which means she should die. He forgives her in front of everybody. This is controversial. And so Jesus, in this setting, is being attacked and criticized by the religious right of his day. Now, what I love about Jesus is this, and I think we can learn this about Jesus. He didn't go around defending himself all the time. He didn't go around trying to uh, explain to everybody who had an argument with what he was doing in ministry. Jesus knew what he was called to do. He was sold out to his mission and he carried on his mission even amidst the criticism that exists. Y'all do know that there's still criticism today, correct? You know what kind of people you got in your church? Okay, maybe you don't this morning. Y'all want me to break it down for you? Some of the people that are sitting in this room? You know, there's some churches that would go, oh boy, they, I know where they were on Friday night. But Pastor Brandon, they're, they're sitting in your audience on Sunday morning. I know this person's past. Like, do you know who they were? Yeah, even after they were, but they're still in church. Right? Like, and, and, I, and, I, and there's all kinds of divisions, even now, like theological discussions. What kind of denomination is Awakened Church? We're non-denominational. We're affiliated with several networks. Right? Where do you stand on certain theological issues? Or what about this doctrine? Or what about this cultural issue? And there's all these questions. Listen, we don't have to give a defense for every single conversation or argument we get pulled into. But what I love about Jesus here is Luke 15, most scholars will say, this is Jesus' defense of his ministry. It's his defense of his ministry. He's in front of a, I want you to imagine for a moment, 
Jesus standing here. And on this side, there's a whole bunch of, uh, the Bible calls them notorious sinners. So I want you to think of the worst people that you can imagine. They're over here. On this side, there's the Pharisees and religious leaders. The, <laughs> I, just, I just targeted all of y'all, right? <laughs> you can blame that right there on my boy Jason, right? Leader of the pack. They're bad. They're good or deemed holy. And Jesus is in the middle and he's looking out and he goes, okay, I, I've got to somehow address the criticism. And I love the fact that he doesn't open up the Old Testament and start going through scripture. He could. He wrote it. I love the fact that he doesn't go, um, because if he did that, guess what would happen to the, the, the outcast crowd or the sinful crowd? They wouldn't understand what he's talking about. So Jesus looks at him and says, you know what? I'm going to tell a couple stories. And these stories will illustrate, these parables will explain who I am and what I'm about. And the first story that he opens up with is about a lost sheep. We have a value here at Awaken Church. Uh, we have a 10-point, what we call a culture code. It's not why we do what we do. It's not what we do. Why we do, we exist to see people far from God awaken to life in Christ. What do we do? We have worship services. We have small groups. We have outreach projects, right? We go after our one. How we do it is our culture code. And one piece of our culture code here at Awaken Church is we go after our one. In other words, we go after the one that's not in this building. If that offends anybody in this building, I promise you're not gonna make it here. Because we gather up on a Sunday and during the week and we go, who's not in the seats beside us right now that need to be here? There's empty chairs all around this room and there's a lost world out there. And it's our job to go after those people. Amen? That's what we're about. Jesus says, look, there's a shepherd. And the shepherd looks out over his field. He's got 100 sheep. But the shepherd looks out and he goes, there's one missing. There's one missing. Now, most of us would go, you still got 99. I guess 99%, right? Let's go, to go, go back to school, right? 99, that's pretty good, right? Why stress over the one? But I think Jesus is looking at a society where they understood sheep. They understood like what it means to be a shepherd. He paints the picture of a shepherd that probably like, oh, that's, that's not just any sheep. That's the sheep that has like the, the spot on its head, you know, the little mark on its, on its foot. I, I know that sheep. And he paints a picture of a shepherd that can't go home and go to sleep that night. Why? Because he knows what will happen because this sheep has wandered from the pasture. And so he's obsessing over this thing that is lost. And he goes, I got to go find this thing because I can't leave a sheep out there by itself. A couple years ago, I went on a cruise. Me and my family went on a cruise for spring break down to the Bahamas. And when we got to the Bahamas, we were like, hey, what would it look like for us to go to Atlantis? Y'all know what Atlantis is? It's a big old water park in the Bahamas. The cruise ship was uh, selling tickets. We're like, look, we're not going to buy them through the cruise ship because it's too expensive. We'll just find a local and get in a van and kind of go movie status and hope we make it. Like, we'll buy cash off the street. So we, we, dock, we dock in the Bahamas, and then we find the guy, and we're like, look, can you get us in Atlantis? Yes, no problem. Come on, you know. I throw my whole family in this van, and I'm like, I hope we make it back. I don't know how this is going to work. And we finally get tickets into this place. All I had on me was a bunch of cash to buy these tickets and my debit card. So here I am, you know, in a bathing suit and towel. So I got the debit card in my little Velcro pocket in the back. 
And I'm going down all the water slides and I'm living it up. It's crazy. And then we go to buy lunch. And y'all, when I go to buy lunch, guess what? There's no debit card. And I'm like, man, this is not good. I'm not even going to tell Ashley, but I have to tell Ashley because I can't buy lunch. And so I'm like, oh, I have lost my debit card at Atlantis. It's not the living room. It's Atlantis, like all these slides. Where do I even start? So I was like, I got to find it. Because if I don't find it, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to be like the case study written about on Dateline. Someone's going to just grab my debit account, spend everything. So I was like, I got to go back to the last ride that I went on. And so I go back to the last ride and I find a lifeguard. And I'm like, excuse me, I lost my debit card. And the girl's like, okay, like, I need help finding it. And she's like, she just points to the top of the rod, like, I don't want nothing to do with this, right? Because even if you found it, things just shooting through all this water, right? So I'm, I'm going up the rod, I'm talking to lifeguards, back down the rod, and y'all, guess what? I find this debit card. My wife thought I was crazy, but I found the thing. I was obsessed because I'm like, if I don't, something bad's going to happen. Jesus says, Jesus says, now, the shepherd in this story is obsessed about finding a sheep. Here's the thing about sheep and why I think God calls us sheep and why Jesus addressed us to sheep. Sheep are not very smart. If a sheep wanders off in the wilderness, this is no lie. A sheep will walk right off the side of a mountain. But here's what sheep, while they're, while they're handicapped a little bit, they can hear very well. Sheep can listen. I want you to imagine a sheep that's out in the wilderness, right? Like the shepherd's going, well, if, if, a, if a lion or a wolf like finds this sheep, it's done. Or if unknowingly the sheep walks to the edge of a cliff, like it's done. The shepherd's in reckless pursuit. And I imagine the shepherd out in the wilderness is calling because the sheep can hear. Jesus says to this crowd, hey, I've come calling those who were lost. Why it says later in John, my sheep know my voice and they listen. You want to know if you're really under the shepherd today? Can you hear him speaking to you? Or is life so loud and chaotic and noisy that you don't even hear his voice? I believe we live in a culture, y'all, that is the volume is way too loud on a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus. And he sent us to go, hey. Go get them. Call them home. I was studying this and I, and I thought to myself, what I would do if I was the shepherd. Because it says that he goes and gets his sheep and he, he finds it, puts it on his shoulder, goes home. And when he gets home, check this, he throws a party for the whole community, right? Now, how much did that cost, right? Like I'm a numbers guy and I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna throw a party, chances are, right? Like I gotta buy a bunch of food, Got to send out some invites, got to get some drinks, crank up the music. There's a cost to the party. Is the cost of the party more than the cost of a new sheep? Why not just get another sheep? Like, listen, we're in church world, right? Hey, if somebody here wanders off, don't come back to church for a couple weeks. You know what? Somebody else will fill the seat. How dare we ever get to a place where we go, it's okay for people to wander off. Our call is to go get them. Some of y'all are like, look, I can't understand why our group's Pastor Tevin or why Justin is just calling and calling and calling. Because they care about you. Don't ghost them. 
is you can ghost long enough where you close that gap. Can I just tell you that God calls to us and I believe with all my heart, there's some people God has called and maybe you're here today and you've heard his whisper, but you can try to shut that voice off all you want. Jesus says, I'm still coming. I'm a shepherd going after my sheep and I hadn't stopped. And they look at him and I imagine they're like, okay, that's all right. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. But that wasn't enough. Jesus goes, I'll tell you another story. This one's about a woman, right? Because he talks about property being sheep. And then he goes, okay, this, that, they may understand that. But if they don't understand that, then maybe they'll talk about money. And he tells the story of a woman that lost a coin. She had 10 coins and she lost one, right? And so he, he paints a picture that this woman like comes in her house and she's counting up, you know, her 10 coins and she goes, one's missing. Well, if you're married in the room, or if you grew up with any kind of sisters, or you grew up with a mom, you understand when something's lost, the world stops until it's found, amen? What I meant to say, if you have an Apple TV remote that you've ever lost, let's, can we do better, Apple? That thing is so skinny. It goes into the couch, and it's like, it's an abyss. I can't even find it, right? He says, look, the woman lost a coin. What does she do? She flips her house upside down looking for this thing. I mean, she's sweeping every corner. She's turning over chairs. She's looking on top of cabinets. Why? Because just because the coin is lost doesn't mean that it's lost its value. Track with me here. Just because the coin is lost does not mean it's lost its value. What was happening in Jesus' day was this. You had an institution called the temple, the Jewish faith, and there were certain people that were qualified to be there and those that never had a chance of being there, clean and unclean. The unclean sinners were literally discounted, discredited, discarded by the religious. They were lost. And Jesus is looking at this crowd going, hey, just because it's lost, doesn't mean it's diminished its value. It's kind of like this. I've got a $20 bill. I'm not giving this away. I know in the past I've given money away off this stage. Don't come running. It's like this, this $20 bill, right? Like we, we know what this is worth, right? Like I can take it, spend it wherever. And, but if I take, if I take this $20 bill and I just crumble it up, let's, I mean, it's bad, right? And I stomp on it and mess it up, right? Like, it's, it's still worth $20. We would all agree on that. If I write on it, let's just say, like, I decide to write on it, like, used, uh, maybe passed around. Some of you are like, I'm going to call the mint right now. Don't get me in trouble. I know I'm on YouTube. It's, it's fine. Uh, it damaged, right? Like, I can put whatever I want on this, but guess what? It's, it's still worth $20. You can even tear this thing. And guess what? I can tape it back. It's worth $20. Did you know that you can, ta- even if you, get, if you got a $20 bill, if this thing was like burnt and muddy and like you can't even recognize it, you can mail this in to the treasury department and guess what they'll do? They'll replace it for free. Here's why. The value of this currency is not dependent on where it goes, whose hands it passes through, what its experience is, its value is assigned by its creator. Some of y'all are here 
And if, and, if, and if you were a bill, there may be certain labels written on you. Some of you are here and you, you felt like you've been passed around, maybe abused, maybe trampled on, possibly discarded. The good news that Jesus paints in this story is this. Your value is, is not given to you by the people in your life, the places you've been, the things that you've done. Your value is assigned to you by a creator. And just because you're lost or just because they're lost doesn't mean your value's been lost at all. And so Jesus looks at this crowd and he tells this story and they're like, okay. But, but I, I still don't like them. Like imagine them looking at these Pharisees who their whole life, they've said, you gotta abide by the law. You have to keep the law. You have to clean up before you get to God. You're diseased and you can't even get, you can't get cleaned up to get to God. These Pharisees have given their life to this dividing line and Jesus is looking at him and he's like, okay, you don't understand property being sheep. You don't understand uh, money. So let's take it to a place that I know you can understand and he goes straight to relationship. And this is a story of the prodigal son that probably all of us have heard in some regard. He tells the story of this dad that's got two sons. One's younger, one's older. And one day the younger son comes to him and says, hey, I'm out. I'm 18. I'm ready to spread my wings. I'm going to Vegas, pops. And dad says, I'm not financing that trip, right? There's no chance I'm paying for you to go to Vegas. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. Let's just go ahead and fast forward this process. Let's pretend you're dead and I go ahead and get my inheritance. You good with that? And so the father cuts him his portion of the inheritance and the son takes off on this journey. And the story that Jesus tells us is when he actually uh, gets to his destination, let's say it's Vegas or let's say it's New Orleans, although we all know, guys, listen, Vegas can be Charleston. It's any place that you run from God. But he, he runs to this place and lives it up. We're told that he spent his time in reckless living, spent all of his money and ended up essentially homeless working in a pig pen. And... And we're told that as he's literally feeding these pigs, he realizes the pigs eat better than, this, than, than me and the servants at my dad's house live better than me. So I'm just going to go back home to my dad. And it says that he put this speech together. And I, don't, I had this visual like, have you ever got a text from somebody and you don't really know what to say back and there's those little dots? You know, and you, you type it and you're like, Ugh, that ain't good. You type it and you're like, Ugh, that ain't good, Right? Imagine, imagine this guy walking home and he's like, I don't even know what to say. What do you say to somebody that eventually, that, that ultimately you at one point said you're dead to me? How do you even start that conversation? And he decides like on the way home, hey, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell my dad like maybe, maybe, just maybe I can be a servant. Maybe you can put me to work. Maybe you have a job for me, right? And he, and he, and he comes up with this speech. And Jesus says that as, as the son journeys home, the dad sees him far off. And, and if I can just stop right there for a moment, the very fact that the dad has his eyes out on the horizon looking for what was lost being his son should be good news to every single one of us. That we have a God that has not turned his back on us or turned his eyes from us, but he is looking out, waiting for us to come back to the place that he would call home for us. The son's coming home, and as he comes home, his dad sees him. And I know he's scared. Listen, if you've ever messed with your parents and you gotta come home, y'all know you were fearful. 
But his dad, when he sees him, it says that he gets up. He actually says it this way. I want to read it. Verse 21. I'm sorry, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. Y'all, Jewish men didn't run. You never ran. They, they wore long, flowy, like, think of it like a long kilt. They didn't run anywhere. It was undignified. Like you, you had a certain, uh, you, had, you had to carry yourself a certain way. Especially a rich man like this that would have servants. And, but, but the dad dropped his dignity and he ran to his son because he was caught up in a moment. Y'all ever been caught up in a moment? My daughter last year, Brooklyn, she broke her arm during basketball season. And she, we, we thought the season was over. But the doctor said, look, you can actually play with the cast. We got her a waiver from the city, the recreation department. She said, it doesn't hurt. Let me play, dad. I'm like, that's my girl. Y'all, our first game with a cast. The first goal that she scored, I was a dad caught up. Like she scores and I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. Go Brooklyn, get them. And all the parents are like, yo, this is sixth grade basketball, chill, right? I was caught up. I was, it's amazing. And I think about the father in this story. Day after day after day after day, he's been sitting on the porch and he looks at him this day and everything that he's been praying and hoping for is coming to fruition. His son that was lost is now walking down the road. You don't sit there and wait for him to approach. He jumps up and he runs and embraces his boy. I believe, listen, I believe there's people right now, especially outside of this church, that are, that are, that are carefully walking full of fear back to a God that they do not understand. The fact that this son had a speech and thought he'd be a servant told me he didn't understand the heart of his father. And it's possible you came to church today and, and, and you're, you're limping in and you've got a speech ready and you're scared of what God's going to say to you or what your punishment's going to be. Y'all, God is jumping off the porch ready to embrace you as a son. And then he gets there Right? The speech that he's worked on, he starts to share it. The dad says, stop. Gives him a big hug. Tells the servants, hey, go get the best robe in the house and go get a ring and go get sandals and put it on my son. And when I was reading that, I thought to myself, bring the finest robe in the house. You know who the finest robe belonged to? Let me back up a second. I, I, I imagine when, when he decided he was leaving the house, right? It's like, dad says, here's your money, go. Well, I don't know about him, but I'm grabbing my best shoes, right? Because I got a journey to make, so let's pack the suitcase. I'm grabbing all the clothes out of my closet, right? Because what's mine is mine, and we're going on a trip. So his room's cleared out. There's no sandals in the room. The ring, I'm sure, was pawned off in Vegas when things got tough. He's got no robe. And in this moment, he's just broken down and he's messed up. He's standing in front of his dad. The dad says, look, I want you to go get some sandals. Just go find some. Get the ring that tells everybody he's my boy and check this. Go get my robe because the finest robe in the house belonged to the dad. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, when you come home, God covers you with his righteousness. It's not some borrowed robe from somebody else. He clothes you with his glory and says, welcome back to the house. That's exactly what he does for the son right here. If you're here today and you think to yourself, hey, I've, I've come home at some point, but I'm trying to earn, earn this relationship or earn this love back from God. You can't earn it. You can't earn it means you can't lose it either. There's nothing you can do to lose the love of God. But meanwhile, check this, because this is where the story ends, right? Because we got two crowds out there. We got, we got the lost son, the prodigals that are coming to Jesus. They're coming home, but we also have the religious. And Jesus turns the attention from this story. He turns the attention to the older brother. Because you've probably known this story to be the prodigal son, right? It's really, it's prodigal sons. They're both lost. Because you go, what, what's lost? Anytime we don't understand the heart of God, we're lost, right? Because we project onto him what we, what we think and want him to think about us. Jesus turns the story, and this is what he says, that uh, they... They put the robe and the sandals and the ring on the sun. They bring him into the house. They kill the fattened calf and they're having a big party. And and we're told that they had the music playing and you could hear the dancing. Y'all ever heard dancing? That's hard dancing. That's not slow dancing, right? That's eighth grade. Come on, ride this train dancing. It's loud, okay? And the son, the older son who's been there all along, he's out in the field working. And he can hear the music and he can hear the dancing. And he looks at one of the servants and he says, what's going on inside? What's going on inside? And the servant says, well, look, you know your brother? Like the little man that ran off, he's back. He's back. And your dad's throwing a party for him. And the older brother is infuriated and he's mad and he's frustrated. Why? Because he's been faithfully working for his dad. When I think about the state of the church today, I'm making a sweeping statement right now and I'm not judging anybody, but the state of the capital C church right now, there's two camps. There's a camp that's faithfully working. I've never left my post. I've been raised here. I've kept the scriptures. I've gone to church every Sunday, been tithing like crazy. I hold the doors, but all y'all do is celebrate baptisms. And the dad says, look, we have to celebrate the baptism. We have to celebrate the homecoming. Your son, your brother was lost. Now he's found. Come inside and celebrate, right? Come inside and celebrate. And the older brother goes, no. I'm going to keep working out here. And this is what I love. My, my favorite part about this story is the dad's inside having a fiesta. It's a party. It's amazing. Everybody's loving it. His son's dancing. No explanations, right? Just all grace has been shown to this son. And the dad's caught up in this moment, but he realizes in the midst of this party, I got a boy missing. And I love the fact that the dad decided to walk outside of the party. He left the dance and he went to the field and he looks at his older son and he says, hey, what's the problem? Come on inside. 
that, that your brother, your brother, he was lost, but now he's found. He's come home, come celebrate. An older brother just argues back with him. No, 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 no. I've been here all these years and you've never even given me a young goat. And I imagine the dad's looking at him going, why in the world would you want to go when you could have the fattened calf? Why would you settle for a goat and a couple friends when you can have the fattened calf and the whole celebration? He looks at his son and says, son, everything I have is yours. All of it. It's all yours. And we don't really see how the story ends. And I imagine Jesus looks up at these two crowds, somewhat perplexed, because he's got a group over here that, that would say, you know what? We're home. We want to walk in. Let's start the celebration. We're following you, Jesus. And he's got a group over here that's going, look, I've been faithfully in the fields. I don't know if I want to celebrate. You kidding me? Like Zacchaeus? I can't celebrate Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus robs my family. Like, I, there's no, that, when Jesus goes, look, the heart of the Father is he pursues you and he's calling you home. It's time to celebrate. Church, this is a reminder when we think about Jesus. Jesus is full of grace and your, his grace covers all your sin. There's no explanations. There's no earning. There's no trying. There's just a returning back to the place that, that is called home. And you have a place there. You have a place there. Whether you've been drifting for a long time, whether you would call yourself marked up or torn or wasted or used or abused, your value is assigned by your creator and he's calling you home. Not just you, but the people that you know out there. So we got to get the word out. We got good news. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Let me pray for us before we go into worship. God, we thank you for the goodness of grace. We thank you, Jesus, that your grace covers all of our sins. And this morning, God, for the one who is making their way home for the first time today, we thank you that you are a God who leaves the porch and comes running down the road and embraces us fully and calls us your son and daughter. And God, for the, the millions outside of this room that don't know you, that are still squandering their wealth, that are still confused about their identity, God, I pray you would use us to take your message and your good news to them and invite them to come back home. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.